Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast. The voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. This is Women in Leadership Podcast, featuring success insights from women around the globe. Now, over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of Women in Leadership Podcast, which is brought to you by the Influence Alliance, which is the membership program for coaches and consultants who want to build a profitable and scalable business while also launch and grow a successful podcast so that they can make a much bigger impact in the world with their message. And I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, my guest today says, ask what else? not what if. And joining me on today's show is Kathy DeMarcos. Kathy is a global advisor. She's also an award-winning mentor. She is an indefatigable philanthropist. She's a TEDx speaker and an author who is future-focused and works from her place of genius to actualize goals and dreams for people in business and personally. Now, her company, Solutions to You, was born from her passion to serve, as well as to create sustainable impact. She's a highly sought after all around the world as a professional advisor, as well as a motivational voice with more than three decades of experience. And she dedicates her time to sharing knowledge that combines people business and situational skills to deliver tangible tools and skills. Now on today's show, Kathy is going to share knowing the impact you were or want to make in the world will help you make better decisions in business and in your life. Also how to change your thought process so that you are prepared to respond rather than to react in any situation as well as anti-fragility is what we need not resilience. So welcome <laughs> to the show, Kathy. Hello, Anna Marie. It's such a delight to be here. I actually giggle as I listen because I'm sure that half the time people are thinking, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting. We had a conversation um, and, and a connection, obviously, through a, a mutual colleague, uh, Sally Anderson, who's been on the show and uh, is, has been a regular, actually, wonderful, wonderful thought leader herself. And when I was speaking to you and you were sharing what you did and the mission and 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 really what you're passionate about, I knew we had to get you on the show to, to share that mission, that vision, but also the things that you were talking about, particularly, I mean, they've always been important, but I think particularly so with so many of the challenges and uncertainty, uh, because really how we respond rather than react to situations is certainly going to determine the outcome. So it's such a pleasure to uh, to have you on the show. Now, I have to admit, I had to look up the word indefatigable 
And, and, and I'm going to be honest here because, you know, transparency is always a good thing. I hyphenated the words because I thought this is going to be one of those words that I'm going to stumble over. But indefatigable philanthropist, share a little bit more about the work that you do in that area because that is an area of passion for you, yes? It really is. Uh, you know, when, when we talk about impact, everything for me actually leads to exactly that, the philanthropy work that I do. Um, I'll share a story as to how that even came to be, but I guess from a young age it was actually instilled in us that, you know, paying things forward or thinking about community and others was actually just part of life. And to be honest, I never thought that it was or I was actually different. Um, That just became part of what we did, you know, and when I had kids, again, that sort of followed. So it was always about giving, you know, who else can actually, I guess, benefit from us serving, you know, or supporting them. So the kids have certainly actually incorporated that into their lives. But 2000 and I think it was 2014 when Ebola broke out in Tanzania, um, my daughter was actually contemplating her life goal, you know, at the age of 16. What am I going to do when I finish school? (laughs) Um, And after doing some research, she actually landed with, I'm going to Tanzania. And so we sat at the dining room table and my husband said, that's in Africa. She said, yes, Dad. (laughs) And he said, Ebola's broken out. And she said, that's on the West Coast. I'm going to the East Coast. And he's going, uh, hello, no, it doesn't matter. So that actually became, you know, the journey. It was actually um, a point, I guess, in my life that I look back now and I'm really grateful for, but that process enabled me to do a few things. It was really actually look at honouring her and what she wanted to achieve. So I'm a really big passionate person when it comes to people identifying something that they want to do. Um, and supporting them through that process. But also actually honouring my husband because I didn't want to just dismiss what he has said and, you know, his fear around that. So it was about mitigating risks and finding solutions to balance that out. So this is a long way around to get to where I am, but that story, you know, really actually led to her finally saying yes I'm going you know so it can be with support or without support but I'm I'm on a mission there's so much that I can actually do there so she took off for a month and you know there were moments through that period where I kept questioning you know myself what is going on here Um, and I remember distinctly even to the point where she's actually at the airport and um She's now actually gone through customs and we're watching her actually through the glass go to her gate. And at that moment, she sort of leans in and she's put her glass up, her hand up against the glass. And, you know, so I've actually mirrored it on the other side. And in that moment, my heart sank because I didn't know where she was going. I knew that she was passionate about what she wanted to do and she wanted to go and work in orphanages. She wanted to make a difference. But in that moment, honestly, it was this incredible fear of what have I done? You know, I've allowed her to go to somewhere where I have absolutely no understanding, you know, of what's actually over there, what she will face. 
And my only thing that I, you know, I could think of at that moment was that we had actually agreed and made a pact that she would go for the first month um, and actually be under, I guess, the protection of projects abroad. So there was some structure. And then I would join her for the next two months. So through that process, there was always this um, hope and, I guess, some sense of safety that she would be okay, you know, until I got there. Well, that um, Anne-Marie actually changed, like genuinely changed who I was. And, you know, I had, I had, for as long as I can remember, as I shared, you know, donated, given up time, um, committed to some sort of philanthropical work. But this, this was different. It, you know, I was following her dream to some extent. But when I got there, oh my, my heart just exploded. It exploded because I actually saw the joy in her when she arrived at the airport to pick me up. She was a different person. And I can't explain it except to just tell you that there was this incredible aura that was just beaming out of her as she ran into the airport. I don't think I had ever actually seen her as joyful, you know, as in that moment. Um, so I realised that something had happened for her, you know, and what that was I couldn't obviously quite tell. But she then actually turned um, to introduce me to um, the driver who was also actually a guide and she spoke Swahili. And it dawned on me that she was grown up, <laughs> Here's this 17-year-old who really is just this incredible young lady now. Well, you know, she embraced everything that she was experiencing. Um, she was living with her family. She would spend time, you know, with the actual maid, talking, um, learning, understanding the culture, and then actually applying all of those skills with the kids and so we actually experienced that journey through the lenses of her because of the fact that she just embodied everything that she was aiming to achieve. So we spent time um, living with the Maasai for three weeks whilst we were there. And, you know, through that, through that period, let me tell you, we cried a lot. There were, there were tears of joy in that we were actually so privileged to actually experience what we were experiencing. And people just see that, you know, what we were giving them was incredible. But what we got from that was so much growth, so much insight into, you know, who we were. Me, it was another layer for me. It was like, I, you know, I share a story where I remember sitting with a Maasai and um, this warrior actually said to me, Kathy, you know, I really want our young girls um, to understand that there is more to life. You know, I, I don't want them to actually think that they need to get married at the age of 11 and circumcision is not okay and they need to continue their education. What do you think? You know, in that moment, I stood there and I realised I couldn't even begin to think. How could I possibly understand? You know, I'm this Western middle-aged woman with privileges that 
I hadn't actually realised the depth of my privileges, you know, until that moment. And so that became my journey and my quest of where I am today in recognising that we can all contribute to the lives of others, irrespective of where we are and irrespective of why, where they are in the world. And so, you know, we continued that journey of working with the orphanages, you know, teaching English, um, actually doing leadership development and helping aspiring, you know, entrepreneurs um, over the years. And, you know, I've gone back several times and I've taken people with me and it has just continued to build to the point now where we now have, I guess, you know, a side business, which is my love project. It's called Raise the Baseline. And that is leadership programs that I've now developed for young kids all the way through to aspiring young entrepreneurs. And so we now actually run the programs. You know, they start at the age of 12 and they're four-week programs and six-week programs and six-month programs. But they start from the age of 12, which is at, at that cusp year, you know, when they're transitioning from primary school into senior school and then through that middle school age where all the hormones are kicking in and then when they finish school. And it actually incorporates things that help them develop, you know, confidence, courage. They get to understand their values, understanding boundaries, understanding, I guess, how they can actually have a voice and most importantly, you know, to take that one step beyond, you know, that growth mindset but actually take it into an entrepreneurial mindset and understand the value in paying things forward and looking at their community as global. So that is something that whilst I'm now just in Tanzania, it's something that I actually want to roll out across all developing countries. So that's my love work and I fund all of that at the moment. But obviously as you scale, you know, there are other things that I will need to actually incorporate to help support that. So I've also now incorporated these programs and I'm making them available for Western society because everybody keeps saying, how come they're only available for developing countries, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, thank you for sharing that story and it beautifully segues into an area where I know you wanted to talk a little bit more, knowing the impact that you want to make in the world will help you make better decisions in business and, and life. And, you know, as we hear, as I hear, and I know that there are others here listening and watching as well, you share that story. You almost wonder, had your daughter not gone through that process and gone to Tanzania and you had not then gone to um, connect with her and get to experience and see the transformation that your daughter went through from a young girl to this blossoming young woman who now through supporting those in the community there in Tanzania you saw her just you know transform and then you recognizing there was just so much more that you could do and and something that you may never have had experienced had you not gone there so when you look back and you're talking about impact what was it for you and, and what can you share? This is, I guess, what I'm asking if you can share some insights. For those of us who may not have an opportunity to go to Tanzania or, or other places, how can we even get to 
identify that if we're not yet there, that passion project, that love project that drives us because, as you say, it's going to help you make better decisions in business and life because it really connects to your why, isn't it? The more you grow, the more you can give back to that community. And there's something that we know all to be true, that the more connected we are, it drives us forward. And that will beautifully segue into the other areas that you want to talk about today too. So what insights can you give around identifying what that impact is for us? So, you know, you're absolutely right. We're all not going to have an experience like what I have, but um, I'll share an example of one of my clients that I literally have just finished with this morning. Um, you know, she's she's realised that she's spent all of her life in corporate and um, she has done a lot of travel. And as she's actually reaching that stage where she's asking herself, what else? You know, what else is there to life? What else can I actually do? she's realised that part of her journey has actually experienced a lot as a female traveller in business. And as she's actually thought about that, she's identified that she could actually share that knowledge and actually change the lives of others who are actually following in her footsteps. You think about it, how many females in corporate travel all the time? But everything is actually done with such rigour and not necessarily with the mind of, you know, safety, with the mind of, you know, have you considered, um, are they actually travelling alone? What are the measures that we're actually putting in place from a corporation to ensure that they are always actually feeling secure, they're always working at their optimum? We take into consideration, you know, their personal circumstances their actual life needs, you know, work isn't just about what you need to do, you know, for business. It actually needs to encompass all of our people. And so through that, she's identified, I'm going to actually share my lived experiences because I do not want another woman to actually jump into a cab and actually not have a protection of knowing that this cab driver is actually harassing me. So what can we actually do? So all of her lived experiences is now actually turning into this incredible business that she's so passionate about because she knows that she can actually provide insight, safety, security, not only to the women who are travelling but also actually look at it from a business perspective because they're now actually thinking about their people. And, look, you know, the times and over the last two years, I think corporations have realised that business isn't just about bottom line. It is really about people. So they're wanting to know what they can do differently, you know, yes. to contribute to the lives of their people and retain staff and make them feel valued. And so sometimes that's all it is, is that you look back as to what have you actually experienced that you know will actually make somebody else's life better, you know, make them feel valued, make them feel like they belong. Yeah, it's, that's so good because often we are looking for grandiose, isn't it, for just sitting there waiting for this, da -da! and often it's right there in front of us, isn't it, the lived experience. I love that. And yeah. so what are just a couple of things? I mean, you've already, there's some, you know, incredible insights and golden nuggets that you've shared already, but to wrap this point up so we can move on to the next around how to change our thought process, if you look back over your life, say the before 
and after. The before and after is, you know, before you'd gone to Tanzania and then after. What has been the greatest impact in your decision-making, uh, you know, business and life? Because what has that impact made on you and how has that impacted the decision-making process that you've had? I think one of the things that I've recognised, and again, I've only just really started to identify my own patterns. Um, the one thing that I have recognised that has impacted me the most is to actually trust my instinct um, and to have the courage to say no, you know, to know to the things that just didn't resonate for me, no to the things that I really wasn't comfortable in doing. Um, to be prepared to have a conversation that wasn't necessarily going to be an easy conversation. Um, and I think particularly women, we seem to think that we have to always say yes, you know, we're pleasers, you know, we're nurturers. But we can actually do that and still say no. You know, yeah. it's actually about honouring ourselves. So for me, I would say looking inwards, you know, was one thing that I constantly have recognised that I've done and then had the courage to actually stay true to me. Yeah, I love that. I, I, I don't, can't remember who sh shared this with me, but it was no is a sentence. And we don't have to say anything else. And it is so true, isn't it, often women. Um, and being able to speak truth, you know, with love, of course, is important too. We, and we don't necessarily need to be in agreement all of the time either. And it, having those conversations, and I love how you mentioned earlier around having clear boundaries. And I think too, when we experience other cultures and seeing how they live and often very simple lives, isn't it? Yet the joy that they have reminds us that the things that we often concern ourselves with really not a concern at all isn't it and and I think over the last couple of years in the things that have been revealed and and just what we've been through I'm sure there's a lot of things I know I have that I'm not even going to concern myself with that anymore because it really isn't a concern at all and I think that's such a great reminder uh, yeah. which is wonderful and so now let's talk around changing our thought process so that we're prepared to mm -hmm. respond rather than re to react in any situation and I think this all goes about what we were talking about to the last point you know anti-fragility is not what we need um, but uh, sorry is what we need and not resilience and the reason that I'm bringing that up is that someone did earlier on today um, in the interview and I hope you're still here said I was finishing up the book Ikigai today and anti-fragility was covered in the section that I was listening to how timely so I'm sure this mm -hmm. is all going to lay the foundations uh, into yeah. the third point too so how can we change our thought process? So, you know, one of the things um, particularly that I start to work on with clients is understanding what our own values are and then identifying our boundaries. And I start with that because that then actually creates that framework. It does two things. Um, it actually enables us to truly actually understand ourselves better. It then actually creates a fluid um, process in between so when we know what's really true to our values you know at our core and then actually put a framework boundaries you know of the no-go zone or understanding that if I actually get to this boundary I recognize that this is actually my stretch point so I, I need to then take the next step it then actually says to us okay 
I know where I'm actually working from. I know what I actually want to achieve. And then what? We have a situation. So in that situation, we change the way we think. So instead of actually looking at any given time to, like now, have a conversation, listen to what you're saying and then instantly respond, what you actually do in that moment is pause. And the reason why I ask you to pause is to actually look inward and say, what outcome do I want from this? So actually ask yourself, what do I want from this? And what is mutually going to benefit the person that I'm with? And when you understand that outcome, you then respond. You are actually sitting from a totally different perspective rather than just instantly reacting because in that moment you will go back to your default to what you have done in the past without even recognising it. But by pausing to better understand what outcome you genuinely want and what will actually be mutually beneficial because I always look at it, there is always a win-win. So I always say it is a mutually beneficial outcome. And see, the boundaries in that also identifies where are you prepared to go to? You know, so you already predetermine all of this in that moment of pausing. So you don't then go into a reactive mode and mode and then actually go back and go, oh, I should have said this, I should have done that. You know. So it's a really simple process. I actually do a little diagram where I show, you know, my clients just that process and they stick it on their computer (laughs) so they remember that (laughs) because what happens then if you can imagine that something happens and you don't go through that process and it's like with any new behavior isn't it the first few times it takes a little bit of time to sit uh, but then it becomes familiar and and it just becomes part of uh, who you are but you can imagine if you do react and you say something that normally in circumstances you wouldn't the other person will react and then all of a sudden you're reacting back back, as she says to the default and let me tell you the default is often not really a nice person you know or a reaction is it and then there's a whole lot of other things and I think you know when we're looking at leadership and when we're looking at uh, particularly how we communicate now there are people that have very different core values to you different understandings and I'm often will look and I think, do I really want to get involved with this conversation? Do I have the energy, you know? And I also look at where is this coming from? Is this coming from a place of empowerment? Yeah. Encouragement Mm. or ego? And I know the difference. And if it's ego, then I think there's no point going to that because, yeah, there's just going to be some instances where you have to agree to disagree and do so politely too. Would you say that when someone is seeing the difference between reacting and responding. And this is a bit of a rhetorical question, but I'm asking this because I want to set up why this is so important. How others respond is very empowering too, isn't it? Because they are able to relate back to you in a different way. What happens when we're first going through that? I mean, for me, I might say, I need to just take a moment and and think about that. Let me get back to you rather than, you know, filling the space with noise. What what are some other things that you have seen work really well in that situation? Um, So it's also actually asking, you know, a reframed question. Mm. That helps you in that moment of pause, you know, 
and it also then gets clarity from the person that you're with as well so can you just explain that to me is one way of looking at it or it could actually be um so did I actually hear you correctly? Is this what you're actually meaning? Because again, we can actually be having the same discussion, but our interpretation of it could be yes. very different. And again, it may actually elicit a very different outcome if we don't get that clarity. So important. Yeah, because um, everyone, you know, kind of thinks about information in a different way. And we all have our beliefs. So if someone says something and that reminds us, takes us back to a place where maybe a parent or maybe a sibling said a similar thing in a similar tone, we automatically go back there and go, they're having a dig at me. Yeah. Uh, however, if you reframe that and say to them, can you just re can you say that again? Do, if I Am I understanding you correctly? They may then say, oh, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it that way at all. Or in yeah. some instances, they may say something, but their face is saying something completely different. But they may have been thinking about, oh, did I take, did I turn the oven off? You know, that kind of thing. There's things yeah. that happen, isn't there? I Absolutely. love it. Yeah. And, and that happens a lot also in um, written communication, like in email. You know, think about how many times, you know, an email has been sent off and the intent in which you send it is totally different to how it's actually received, you know. So, even in that moment, I have often actually shared with, you know, staff and people to say, write the email, especially if it's something that's, you know, tricky, uh, confronting, um, you know, it's not necessarily going to uh, have the best outcome for the recipient. Draft it and let it sit, put it into your drafts. Mm. And then actually the following day, go back to it with the lens of the person that's going to receive it. Because I can assure you, it's actually going to be reframed, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. I remember, Kathy, that you were sharing that. This was a number of years ago. I was on a committee and one of the committee members sent an email to someone else on the committee, but she CC'd all of us. She didn't realise that typing an email in capitals could often be misconstrued, that you're yelling at me, and that's the response that she got. Yeah. Don't appreciate this. Please do not yell at me. She goes, I'm never going to send another email again. <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? Yeah. And, um, you know, for some people who are quite direct, um, yeah. they may just give the answer and you think, oh, that was a bit short. But that's just the way that they communicate. You know, maybe put a few emojis, a smiling yeah. face or something. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? We're all very yeah. complex beings and that can make uh, an incredible difference. Let's talk about anti Fragility. What what does anti fragility mean? If someone's only just hearing that term, so uh, Nassim uh, Taleb actually coined that. Um, he was actually a mathematician by trade, so go figure. But you know, the difference actually is that we all actually go through challenges. You know, and I guess over the last two years, we've probably all experienced it as an exacerbated, right? Just yes. <laughs> But when we talk about resilience, you know, people actually go, oh, you know, I've been able to navigate through that and you're resilient because you've actually um, come out, you know, at the other end and you're still actually surviving. Well, anti-fragility actually says you can actually do better than just survive. You can actually look back identify you know what has actually worked in that situation take the lessons from it actually strengthen your position 
and then step forward, right? It also actually incorporates, you know, the second and third order thinking. And what I mean by that is the um, the critical thinking. So it's not just strengthening for the sake of strengthening. It is actually plotting, you know, ahead of you what else what else might happen in this situation if we take this path then what else could happen and actually looking to mitigate risk mm. and actually even incorporating failure you know that's one thing that we all seem to actually run away from no we can't fail well actually if we fail and take the lessons and apply anti-fragility logic to it guess what happens we become so creative and so innovative because we're no longer prepared to actually stay within the confines that actually happens when we are, you know, thinking about failing. We're actually saying, you know what, I'm going to have a go and I might fail, but I'm going to take away so many lessons from it that it's actually going to then enable me to take the next step and then ask again, what else? You know, what else might happen? And when we break things down into bite sizes and we don't make them catastrophic failures, oh my gosh. We're actually, you know, living in a very different place. It's just those little things, you know, that we tweak from being resilient to being anti-fragile that will enable us to honestly surge forward. You know, press that fast forward, not just the play button. Yeah. I mean, what you're just saying there, I mean, I just, you know, if I actually I do have an applause, but there's a few other things on there, so I don't I haven't got a l- label on the buttons. Otherwise, I would definitely be applauding. I so <laughs> agree. You know, I, I was being interviewed today on a podcast, and after we finished, the um, host said, "You've just got so many insights." I said, "I've just been around the block a lot, and I've stuffed up a lot." So everything I'm sharing now are the things that I wish someone had have told me. Although I'm quite stubborn, so sometimes I need to learn the lesson. But you're so right. I mean, that whole failure, and I know we have a saying that says, "There's no such." thing as failure but you know rather feedback and and often when we do try and we do you know there's an aspect of when it comes to entrepreneurship and leadership um, there is risk isn't there and there is going to be results that weren't achieved and so forth but how we bounce back and the learnings we take from that if we're willing and courageous enough and curious enough to sit in that space which may be a little bit uncomfortable but change the uncomfortableness for curiosity those failures can become the foundations upon which you stand and go and then next time it comes you go you're not going to get me today because I know how to address you and I've actually shaped my character and my understanding is do you think it's because um I don't know someone once said to me Kathy and I'd love your your thoughts on this I was too ashamed to admit that I failed and even sharing it do we assume that others are not failing you know, I mean, what 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 have you found over the years? It's it's interesting. Yes, we don't really talk about our failures, um, and you know what? Social media has probably actually contributed to that because the only thing that let's face it, the only thing that usually shared on social media are the winnings. You know, yes. so um, particularly, I think uh, future generation they always actually only ever see that, you know, um, and don't necessarily understand that that's one one second in that person's life that's actually portrayed there right you know what else has actually happened to get them there is an unknown um so sharing failures there is shame to it you know somehow we seem to actually attach failure to not being smart enough not being good enough 
um, as opposed to being brave and courageous to actually do something different. Now, mm -hmm. I often say to people, it's not actually just about um, accepting that something has failed. You need to celebrate it because that's the difference that's going to encourage somebody to take the risk, you know, yeah. because if they see that you're actually celebrating and say, good on you for having a go, you know, what, what did you learn from that? Crap, I didn't know that. I didn't know that, you know, that's what happened. Then they won't actually take that next step. You know, they'll still actually hide in a background going, oh, that's too risky or I'm going to be seen. And almost playing small, isn't it? I remember years ago, Kathy, uh, one of my mentors um, and who shared a couple of terms that I'd never heard before and one was goal trauma and the other was financial trauma. And goal trauma was when a situation occurred, there was an event or a project that you worked on and you put your heart and soul into it. And as I know that we do as leaders and entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs but for some reason it failed so what ends up happening is anytime you think about that situation um, feelings of often betrayal particularly if there was a business partner or or maybe circumstances happen that would be beyond your control and so whenever you think about that there's you know horrible angst and anxiety so you don't ever want to go back there again so anytime in the future something becomes familiar and it becomes a trigger almost we want to avoid that and so we end up playing small or we end up being triggered. So for yeah. me, when I had my worst business failure ever, I knew that I needed to deal with that, but not only deal with it, heal from it. Yeah. Because there's some emotional baggage and, and things. And that's, I think, something that's often not taught. Have you forgiven? Now, Whatever may have happened may have been inexcusable, but do you want to continue to be tied, emotionally tied to some crap person or, you know, industry or something that's happened that yeah. stopped you from living that purpose and making that impact? And so for me, I know knew that I needed to spend time in forgiveness and healing. Um, and I don't think we talk about that too. And when we think about what's happened in the world over the last couple of years, yeah we go through that process and realize that it's okay not to be okay and you need to get support you need to be able to find someone or some people in your corner who you can cry with you know and you can just whatever because it's important isn't it Kathy to deal with the emotional we're talking a lot about practical things which are great yeah. but unless we shift through that emotionally it's going to be very hard for us to move forward yeah I have a similar, you know, situation and it was a lesson that I learned from my husband. Um, and so during my corporate life, you know, I was always on this chase to actually show that I was good enough, that I, you know, was smart enough, that I could do it as well as anybody else, um, coming particularly from a very male-dominant industry. Um, so my working days were ridiculous. But... Um, and hello, my background is finance, right? So yes, I made some decisions. However, I was so entrenched in actually looking after everybody else's finances that I forgot to look at mine. And so I had made some financial decisions that um, where I had invested some money, well, they actually, I wasn't checking their actual financials, you know. The reports were being issued, but I wasn't spending the time to be diligent. 
and so I lost a hell of a lot of money they went into liquidation and I sat there and I cried you know and I said to my husband oh my gosh I've just lost a quarter of a million dollars and he said honey you're alive you're healthy and all I could do was cry even more because he wasn't angry and yet I had this incredible guilt. Yes, and shame. It's those secondary emotions that we put on ourselves and it's like, please do not add to, to the things that you need to go, go through. Yeah. 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 Um, and so there were lots of lessons in that. Yeah. You know, one was that I was actually prioritising other people's businesses over mine. Big lesson, right? <laughs> um, but it was also actually to recognise that there was so much more value to us as human beings than anything that was material, you know. Um, and so that also plays a role in the way that I do business now too, you know, making sure that people are actually at the centre of everything, you know, that I do. That your husband gave you to be um, able to sit with that. We, you know, we, we hear the saying, you know, success leaves clues, but guess what? So does failure. And the yeah. moment we look at that situation, and that's what I did too, because we often go into the blame game, don't we? We always look at, we try and look for other back. There were signs as well, like you. I mean, I could have done this a little bit better. I could have done that better. I could have done other things. And I think when we look at it that way, we, um, we're not so hard on ourselves and we realise that this is a learning opportunity, but I bet you that has shaped your character and what you do moving forward and has made you even stronger, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I and that's the reason why I actually, I guess, choose to show people in business how to actually run businesses differently. You know, you can have a sustainable business that is scalable and actually, you know, achieve everything that you want but actually know why you want to do that and make sure that those that are around you are actually elevated as you rise as well, you know. It's yeah. so important. And something that you said, and I want to I want to um, probably end with that. I mean, we could talk for hours. <laughs> I mean, it, it's such such a good conversation and one I think we all need to be having, but particularly women around their board table. And that is on the topic of identity. How yeah. often do we look at other women who are doing incredible things? And that's amazing. Can we just recognise and go, Kathy, you're amazing. Being yeah. you, you being amazing doesn't mean that I'm any less amazing in a different way. Yeah. So that whole tall poppy syndrome, um, imposter syndrome, I mean, let's just leave that at the door. So that was so yesterday prior, you know, of 2019 and moving forward that yeah. each and every one of us has got unique gifts and talents, whatever they are at, that is priceless for others. And if we were all the same, doing all of the same things, I mean, no one would get anywhere because, you know, there would be, we would need someone who was very systematic or a visionary or whatever it is in between. And yeah. I think identity and what and who we expect ourselves to be in comparison can mm. cripple us really, can't it, if we keep doing oh, that? Absolutely. It's one thing that I actually share, you know, your passion for it particularly actually that sponsorship piece you know I the one thing that I actually love most in people when I see them do it is when they actually give a shout out particularly you know for other women 
and especially when it's done behind closed doors, you know, that to me is the greatest gift that you can actually give anybody and it then actually shows me that they are genuinely a kind-hearted, courageous person, you know, who thinks about others. So, yeah. And do that, you know, do that. I mean, I, I remember seeing a conversation happening and I didn't really contribute to the conversation online, but I did go into their DMs and I just gave them a thumbs up and I just said something. To me, it was just in passing. And this person came back and said, I so needed to hear that. Thank you for taking that time. You yeah. just don't know what that person is going through and saying, you know, you've got this or whatever it is, some encouraging yeah. word can make such a difference, can't it? Particularly in in a world that often we're critical and we don't doing the things, we're not doing the things that you, you say, we are reacting and we're bringing a lot of ego and emotions, you know, from a place where we are, as you call it, default, we're triggered and uh, it would be a very different conversation if it were to take some time, as you said, to have a think about that, reframe, ask them to say that again. And, you know, sometimes it is walking away and, and recognising, you know what, this conversation is not really getting anywhere. Put the boundaries up and then stick with those boundaries, you know. As yeah. you said, we don't have to um, be a doormat or say yes all the time if it is a no and uh, that's important because you're certainly not going to make the impact, are you, that you want to make if oh, you're looking no. over your shoulder and you're so tired and um, doing all of the things for everyone else except for yourself. So yeah. uh, that's wonderful. Kathy, how can people connect with you and find out more about uh, the support that you offer? So obviously through my website, solutions2you.com.au or on LinkedIn, that's where I seem to play the most. Um, I'm not very big on social media, but LinkedIn. <laughs> Fantastic. And you know what? I think um, LinkedIn is a great place to connect with uh, other thought leaders as, as well. And you've got to pick your place, don't you? You've got to pick your platform and uh, hang out there. And so Fantastic. I know that I've certainly learned and grown from our discussion today and I'm sure others will too. So please go and connect with Kathy over on LinkedIn. Let her know that you uh, listened or watched the, the show and maybe what are you going to do moving forward? What's that impact for you? And if you're not sure, I know someone who can help you find out what that is and uh, Kathy is, is right there. Thanks once again for coming on the show. Thank you, Anne-Marie. It's been an absolute delight. <laughs> This podcast is brought to you by TheInfluenceAlliance.com. Want to influence real change with your message by becoming known as a trusted authority in your industry while building a sustainable and scalable business you love? Find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.TheInfluenceAlliance.com slash podcast series. That's TheInfluenceAlliance.com slash podcast series. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.